Welcome to Gloom Squad. Every episode, we showcase a nonprofit organization that helps those affected by mental illness. This week's episode will be featuring the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They have a branch here in St. Paul, Minnesota, as well as different branches all over the country. They offer youth resources and support, different group resources, education, adult resources, advocacy, and so much more. If you're interested in the National Health Alliance, please visit them on their website or they have a couple of phone numbers you can call. So if you need phone support from them, toll free is 1-800-NAMI-HELPS or 1-888-626-4435. today oh uh, you know we're just surrounded by cats in my basement so the usual we both kind of settled down a little bit He's sleeping we'll see how long that lasts i hope for at least until we're done recording one can hope so today do you want to tell them or should i go for it uh so today we're talking about the history of treatment of mental health disorders and talk about some holistic and different kinds of treatments that are today now. Yeah, so we kind of took it upon ourselves. Britt took research for the old world or some of their historical facts on some mental health stuff, and I took research in the new world or what's going on today. Yeah. Um, So I guess we'll just get jump right into it. Uh, I just thought an interesting fact, because I looked up bipolar disorder as well, just like specifically for myself and my own guilty pleasure of looking into my Knowing disorder. All those things that happened in the past. Yes. <laughs> Big history buff over here. Um, I just thought it was interesting that the first documented case of bipolar disorder was uh, by Hippocrates, and they say it was documented somewhere between 460 and 337 BC. So dang. I know. You're very historic over there. <laughs> I know. Look at you. We've been around for a long time. Represent. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. Um, But one of the first treatments for it, too, like actual treatments, not just shooting them off and killing them and hoping the demonic spirits that were inside their body would be released. Oh, it checks out. Yeah. For sure. Um, Was lithium spa baths. There was this spring inside of um, a spa area, and it was filled with lithium salts. And they found that manic and depressive people who would lay in them and take long baths in it would feel uh, relief from their symptoms. So it's not just a quick dunk. We're in there for like a hot tub sesh. Yeah, it's like a nice little little lounging relaxation sesh. Yeah. You feel that would work for you? Nice little lithium bath? You know, I'm (laughs) not one to turn down treatment of any kind. I'm willing to try anything once. Why not, right? It kind of sounds like those, like, hot springs that they have out west or whatever. Yeah, like, I haven't seen anything Get in a nice little natural hot spring and treat your bipolar. Yeah, I mean, like, you definitely want to, like, keep track of how much... Is there a cat hissing? I'm not sure. I don't know. Um... Yeah, you just got to keep track of those lithium levels when you're in the bathtub. Don't die. Yeah, don't die from over it. Try not to kill yourself. Yeah, basically. The usual. Yeah, the usual. With past treatments, they usually killed them all. No one cared. Dude, some of that stuff in history, like, like, 
modern day medicine seems so like leaps and bounds beyond what happened like even a hundred years ago but it's not like there was stuff that i found that was from like 1960 like lobotomies were being done until the 80s that's just crazy to me so it's like no it's really not that far off from where we're at right now it just seems like crazy to me i don't know like yeah it was before i was born that that happened but i mean like in the grand scheme of medicine my life is a blip and the long what is that in my house what is happening right now Um, now that we've established that my neighbor just brought over cookies and there's not a ghost in my house. That's great. <laughs> I was a little worried about that. <laughs> um, but the earliest treatment was trephination, which was a removal of a small piece of skull, and it was likely used as a way to relieve headaches, mental illness, and demonic possessions. Well, those three things definitely go together. You know, yeah, headaches, demonic. I get, I get a demonic... De- uh, possession about every other week. Oh now. yeah, you know, it's just, it just a regular happens. thing. Um, and then in Greek times, uh, bloodletting and purging was a popular treatment option. It was believed that mental illnesses were the result of a physical ailment. Um, so phlebotomy, so care, like they would remove a certain amount of blood from your body. Um, leaching, so then they just like put leeches all over your body for a certain amount if of time. If I could just purge my depression that'd be great so great <laughs> i know i i don't know if i'd rather have bipolar disorder or leeches on my body every other day because they would like do this like every other day how long would that take like how they long? would just do it forever they just leech for 24 hours and then leech for not they would leech hours? for like a few hours at a time that's and, crazy yeah and then you would wait for like the um raised areas to be healed and then you would start all over again. Wouldn't you like end up losing a lot of blood that way? Yeah, like, a lot of people died. A lot of people died. Yeah, yeah, from I feel blood like loss. That was a common sense thing. But then there. they would say that they died from the disease and that the treatment wasn't actually helping them as much as it should have been. Yeah, that logic makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So more victim blaming. <laughs> um, and then vomiting was also a big thing. They would force them to vomit. So then, like malnutrition and stuff would kill them, but no, would just it was say, definitely just anxiety. Yep, the anxiety killed yep, them for sure. Um, and then isolation and asylums were actually started in medieval times. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like, I knew like isolation was probably a thing, you yeah. know, but I but there were actual like facilities. Right. Well, and I knew like asylums existed, but I didn't realize they were that old. I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I think like. The idea and like the treatment used in them has obviously changed, but the actual physical like um, building and purpose of them have been around for a long time. Well, they also called them what insane asylums, so people that were mentally ill or had like physical deformities, physical deformities or learning disabilities or whatever. Mm-hmm. They were insane. Yeah, um, they actually changed during the Great Depression. They actually changed the definition of. Um, what it meant to be senile, so that way more people would be accepted into these um, facilities instead of being homeless and on the streets. American mental asylums, they did not completely close in the U.S. until the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what? Yep. 
state mental hospitals, they were called at that point. Yeah, but then they got rid of them because they were... There was just so much malpractice and so much abuse in them that they couldn't keep them around. This is crazy because I, where I grew up in Michigan was near Traverse City, and that was one of the last state hospitals to close. And now they've tried to take over a lot of those buildings and make them into, like, restaurants, little shops, because they're beautiful buildings. They're mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous, like, yellow brick buildings. Um, but it was essentially the insane asylum, and it's a whole little campus. It was completely self-sustaining. They had a farm. Everybody there worked. Mm-hmm. So they made their own food, like, the whole nine yards. And we used to go there in, like, high school and stuff, because when you're in high school, you want to go to the, the insane asylum, you at know, night. and be cool at night or whatever. And so we'd walk around the property all the time and, like, obviously people have gotten into those buildings and vandalized them quite a bit. Oh, I'm sure. But there's still stuff left in there, too. So if you look in the windows of those buildings, there's still old beds and gurneys and mattresses and, like, all that crazy stuff. And it does give you that, like, spooky, creepy vibe. I don't know. It's weird. Well, it's not like the rooms were very homey. No. And it looks so sterile. They were more like jail cells. It looks so sterile. Even from what's left over now, like the graffiti and the trashing. I mean, because people break into that crap all the time, but you which can is look unfortunate. Past that and see but you the can look bones of it. Exactly. And it just looks so sterile and like unwelcoming. That's unfortunate. It's crazy. And a lot of those buildings have now been repurposed. A lot of them are condos or apartments or storefronts or whatever now. But yeah, if you go into a couple of the old ones that still haven't been renovated yet, you can look in the windows and it's spooky. Spooky. Spooky, spooky season. <laughs> um, that's really interesting. Yeah. But also, what I thought was a really interesting, I think we were talking about it upstairs before we came down here, but was insulin-induced comas, or a type of treatment, and that was introduced in 1927, and that was up until the 60s. So they would, um, they would last, the comas would last between one and four hours, and anywhere between one and ten, they don't have, like, accurate record holding, so it was anywhere between one and ten percent of the patient's wouldn't react to the glucose and wouldn't wake up from the comas. Well, that's something now that like diabetes and things that you try to avoid is going into yeah. like an insulin coma. Yep, and they so thought essentially that they like, try and monitor those levels now. So that's something we realized was not great. Yeah, but like they thought that the lowering of the insulin and then the shock of the glucose to the system to bring it back would um, snap you out of psychosis. Basically, just like shock you out of your psychosis. Yep, that's so. Who thought of? I mean. I get that developing modern medicine had to come with some crazy ideas, but, like, some of the stuff just seems so out of this world to me. I don't get it. I don't understand, like, where the connection came from. I'm sure there was something that led them to believe that that would happen. Oh, but cats. Go away, you guys. <sighs> You're not helping. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting that that was up until the 60s. Yeah. A lot of the stuff, I feel like, was up until the 60s. And insane yeah. asylums, like, the one in Traverse City didn't close until 1989. Yeah. So and we like just read 90s, the 90s, 2000s was the last couple closed, which was just not that have, long ago. No, and I think it only took that long to close them down because they actually had some decent reviews and had some, you know, there wasn't that much neglect and abuse, but there just wasn't money for it anymore. Right. Which is sad. It is sad, and a lot of those people ended up homeless, essentially. They basically just released them if their families didn't come get them. They were like, case, see you later, bye. Which is like, fuck you to their families. Like, the ones that did have families that didn't pick right. them up anyway. that's awful. And then the ones that didn't have family, like, that sucks they didn't even have the support to begin with or even that hope to, like, have that. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> Sorry. This is sad. Sorry for those people. <laughs> this is 
Woo, really uplifting episode. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Hopefully we get to some, to some good stuff soon. Um, but metrazole therapy was a drug-induced seizure, which was also used. Um, they thought that you convulsing would uh, shock your Scare body. Scare demons out Yeah, of pretty much, essentially. <laughs> um, the seizures would happen a minute after the injection of the drugs and would result in torn muscles, fractured bones, and other major injuries. Because they would just let you, you know, seize on the floor, essentially, or in restraints. And so then, like, there was pulled muscles and broken bones because of the restraints and your body just convulsing. Um, and this was done several times a week. Oh. This wasn't, like, a once-a-month thing and no, then let your body like, rest. No, they were, like, hey. Three times a week. Hey, so we'll see you at your 3 p.m. appointment Monday, every day. Friday. <laughs> every day. Oh, goodness. That's a, that's a lot of times to be going through. It just beats your body up, too. Ugh. Like, not only is that mentally straining, but goodness gracious, your muscles and your body. Like, you're just so concerned about the broken bones. Like, you can't even focus on your mental health at that point. So, like, yeah, I guess it did help in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Inflict pain elsewhere to ignore pain in other places. Wow, Yay. that's amazing. That's almost like self-sabotaging. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, that was um, up until 1982. Yeah. Then the FDA decided that it wasn't cool. They're so like, mm, maybe we'll take a look at this one again. Yeah. Just real quick. Yeah, just maybe inducing seizures when we're trying to prevent them in other people is probably not a great idea to manipulate the mentally ill with. Both. So fucking stupid. Um, uh, this now obsolete treatment won the Nobel Peace Prize Ooh. or Nobel um, Prize in Physiology and Medicine in 1949. Um, it was designed to disrupt the circuits of the brain that came with serious risks. Um, it was popular during the 40s and the 50s. Can you guess what this is? I really can't right now. Lobotomies. Oh, there it is. Yes, lobotomies were always controversial and prescribed in psychiatric cases deemed severe. And that the severity was up to the doctor. Perfect. So yep. totally subjective. Yes. Great. There was, like, criteria, but, like... That's based on doctors' observations, and they could manipulate. And there was a lot of malpractice back then too. Mm-hmm. So there's because there weren't all the rules and regulations and everything. Like you couldn't get sued. You didn't have to have malpractice insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So like, <sighs> if, so you know, Jimmy didn't like his mom and knew the doctor real well in town. Yep. Lobotomy for Jimmy's mom. Like. That sucks. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I don't know. She's acting real strange. Poker in the nose, brain. Stupid. And they would like get psychiatric disorders mixed up with like PMS and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. give these women just lobotomies. Oh, for sure. Well, we were witches too, so I guess that makes sense. Oh, sorry for <laughs> being a woman and bringing you into this world. Yeah. Stupid. Love men. Idiots. Um, the procedure was largely continued after the mid 50s with the introdu- introduction of the first psychiatric medications. Which is. So because of medications, lobotomies were discontinued. Can you imagine if we didn't have medications? Like, I would not do you come think out. They would have say, continued. I would not go to my doctor. Oh God, no! If like lobotomies were still a thing that were being used, like, are you kidding me? I don't want a psychiatric disorder. I mean, like, I don't want one now. They but, like, I really with, don't want to be diagnosed like, with one. Yeah. Well, they essentially stick with like an ice pick up your friggin' nose and like tap it with a hammer. Yep. Like, no, thank you. I don't need that. I'm good. I've got enough issues. I don't need a fucking... <laughs> ugh, stupid. Can you imagine the nosebleeds that come along with that, too? Ugh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of the treatments for past psychiatric um, 
disorders, uh, but some stuff that's like specific to bipolar disorder. Um, bromides were another therapeutic contribution um, I can see that. to the treatment. Um, and for those who don't know what those are, it's compounds of the element bromine. Is it bromine or bromine? I call it bromine. Okay, I'm gonna call it bromine too. But like, I, when I look at it, I see bromine. Like, I, bro, I mean, your mind. I so many people in college, in like engineering school, even because I took a chemical engineering minor, mm-hmm. they pronounced everything differently. So that's awesome. It doesn't really matter. It's fine as long as like people know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it was a food additive, and although used first as um anti-epileptics uh bromides in the second half of the 19th century were widely used as sedatives perfect Mm -hmm. i Um, feel like they just sedated everyone that they didn't want to deal with that's basically what they they did "Mm, we don't really feel like dealing with the issues that you have and you're kind of a crazy person so we're just going to drug you until you sleep for three days well yeah because they use codeine chloroform potion chloral syrup um para Peraldehyde, which is a sedative, um, carbamic acid, hydrocyanic acid, um, which was also very good at killing people. Yeah, they're just like, you know what, we don't want to deal with you. You're being a little emotional today. Yeah, if you and could then, just go take a nap with this, you know, chloroform napkin, that would be great. Yeah, and then instead of being like, oh, it was maybe, you know, the acid that we gave them they're like no never. the disease just was progressing too yeah, fast no it's never it's never the treatment no it's always the patient um, always so um, always your fault Britt. it always is your literally fault. always my fault <laughs> i've found that this week that everything is my fault um including the cats just jumping around and running all over the place oh but marie what did you find about new age uh treatments and medications and stuff like that i mean so clearly a lot of the new age stuff is is medication so Mm -hmm. essentially everyone who has some form of mental illness or something along those lines you're on a medication more than likely yeah i know there are some people who don't necessarily like medication i personally am a very medication forward person um i personal beliefs here we don't have to get into it with everybody and i know everyone has their own beliefs but I am a very science forward person. That's just the mindset that I grew up with. That's what I believe in. So I'm all for like vaccines, drugs, all that jazz. I'm not really a holistic medicine person, but I know it works for some people and a lot of people really like it. So I'm not going to shame you for it. It's just not my belief. Um, I guess I just kind of come from a place of like, I think both are valid and both are worthy of looking into. Like I do, I think that there are a lot of health benefits to yoga and like sometimes I get into that spiritual chakra crap and I'm just like you know this really did like make me feel mentally better like did it probably just help to stretch and move my body and like just get some blood flowing yeah that's probably legitimately what it is but like there's just like that spiritual aspect of like getting in touch with my emotions oh, and yeah. my feelings and, and I totally get stuff that. Like that I do yoga too and I sit there and I took like meditating classes or whatever as well mm-hmm. and sometimes that stuff just feels good but I'm more of like if I have an SSRI issue, I'm going to take some SSRIs. Maybe I'll compensate with yoga and exercise and stuff because I know that helps my body naturally release some serotonin and some endorphins and some happiness. But, like, clearly we're at the point where, like, we need more than just that. Exactly. I'm not a little, you know, rub a little essential oils on it and call it a day kind See, of See, I person. don't get the whole essential oil thing. I get, like, that certain scents are, like, soothing to your body and can, like, naturally, like, take the edge off maybe. But I'm not, like... Oh, this 
lavender just took my depression away. It's like, no, it, it just doesn't. like it just was a soothing smell and right. made me feel like kind of nice. Yeah, happy. I'm all for good smells, but good smells don't keep the polio away. Yep, no, they don't. They so. really don't. <laughs> Sorry, that's we're clean. upsetting anybody out there. <laughs> that's clean water that does that. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> But yeah, essentially a lot of the modern day treatments are, are medication. So some of the stuff that I found for, um, I guess we kind of focus on our own stuff, like bipolar, anxiety, depression. Um, so bipolar is generally treated with three main classes of, of medication. Some of them are injections, some of them are pills. I mean, it's different forms, kind of depending on what your doctor and you work out. But you're generally on mood stabilizers, antipsychotics, and occasionally like antidepressants, depending on, on what you're level or yeah because there's different symptoms are because there's three technically types of bipolar there's bipolar one bipolar two and then the cycling bipolar and so the different ones have different treatment options right and so generally they say like mood stabilizers and antipsychotics generally go for all three and then they'll throw an antidepressant in there based on kind of where you're at what Mm -hmm. your symptoms are kind of how you're feeling um so a lot of stuff like that looks generally like i'm on fluoxetine or Prozac. That's what I take. I have some stuff that is a sleep aid. I don't love it. Um, I take that realistically on like weekends or when I'm on vacation or something and I need good sleep. My depression interferes with my sleep a lot. I don't sleep very well right now. Um, but if I take, what is it, Trazodone? Oh, that stuff. Yeah. Sucks. That's what I have right now and it just makes me feel groggy and gross the next day. It makes you feel like really, you got hit by a truck. It does. I have a really hard time waking up too. So like, I can't take that on weekdays that I have to get up and go to work. I just can't. I got that after I was admitted to the hospital. Um, They gave me Zoloft, Trazodone, and Boost Bar and the Boost Bar was ridiculous and the trazodone would knock me out so bad that like I had to switch my work schedule because I wasn't fully awake and like coherent until 1 p.m which is kind of problematic when you have a two and two year old yeah no it was it's not great so like I take it if I'm exhausted and I know I have nothing to do the next day yeah that's the only time I will take it I have it I mean I have the prescription for it and I have a bottle of it have I refilled that prescription no I was given it in August it's now December almost Christmas uh no like, yeah. I just can't take it. Um, Prozac is great. Love that. On 40 milligrams of that, they've upped me, like, slowly, obviously. But now 40 milligrams seems to be a good spot for me. Um, but there's side effects to all these drugs. And so, I mean, Prozac itself comes with a just rap sheet of side effects. I can't take a lot of medication with it. Yeah. So I have to make sure anything that I do take, even something as simple as, like, ibuprofen or aspirin, is compatible to my Prozac drug. And if I don't take it consistently... I throw up. I'll take my Prozac. I'll put it in my body. Five minutes later, my body's like, mm, nope, don't want that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gets rid of it. So I don't consistently take my medication. I see a lot more side effects than when I do consistently take my medication. I don't know. Is there anything kind of like that for you for what you're on? Um, I guess I haven't really been on my antipsychotics for that long because I just got diagnosed this year. So I got diagnosed or I got prescribed Latuda and in August and I got prescribed Effexor in late October. So, I mean, the antipsychotics give me really bad restless legs and they make me really drowsy. Um, So I have to, if I could take the Latuda during the day to like offset the restless legs, then I could go for like daily walks and go do something more exercise related. But 
because I have the restless legs at night and the antipsychotics make me drowsy, I have to like, I have, I don't, I just walk around my house. I just pace. I just pace right. like up through the kitchen and through the dining room and then through the living room. And then I just do this like big circle walk until my body's finally like, all right, we got this. We got this. And by that time it's like one, one thirty. So I'm just like exhausted from just pacing and like letting my mind race. And so now I have to look into that when I talk to my psychiatrist next month in January. But yeah, um, I've actually found that my jaw is clenching a lot. I was telling you that earlier. Yeah. Like I'll just be watching TV and all of a sudden I'll be like, God, my jaw hurts. And I realize that it's because my jaw has been clenching for like 20 minutes so watching like the show. Just your jaw? Or do you notice it in other muscles or anything? Um, I notice that my shoulders will start to creep up during the day. Like, I'll be, like, cooking, and then all of a sudden, like, I'll notice that my shoulders are at my ears. That's crazy. Yeah. It just, like, happens weird, oddly. Like, there's I don't so notice many, that it's happening. There's so many side effects to a lot of these drugs. It's just, it's nuts. And, like, to me, those don't bother me because they're things, like, it's like, oh, I'm clenching my jaw. That kind of sucks. But, like, I can get a mouth guard at night if it turns into an issue at night where, right. you know, where I'm grinding my teeth. So, like, there's all these different things, and I think people get turned off by that. They're like, oh, God, there's these side effects to these medications that are supposed to help me, so then I have to do something to take away the side effects, and then there's side effects to that medication, and it kind of turns it... Excuse me. Oh, my God. It kind of turns into this, like, nonstop medication, but and then that's where I think the holistic medicine kind of comes into and it's just like with my restless legs I found that yoga kind of helps too yeah and like the run and the walking around and I have a massage gun and so like I'll find tense muscles and I'll focus on those with the massage gun so it's just like non-medicated ways to relieve those symptoms and I think people just get into like well if you're starting medication just take more medication it's like no there needs to be that healthy healthy balance of right. both. You don't want to have to be turned into a zombie. Yeah, you don't want to be completely dependent on stuff like that. And if you end up on like Xanax or Zoloft and a ton of stuff like that, it becomes almost an issue, I feel like, for a lot of people. Maybe not everyone. Maybe that stuff totally works for you, but everybody's different. But I feel like a lot of the time it becomes like you end up, like you said, like a zombie walking around not really knowing what's up and what's down, Yeah, which is scary. And I think that's why I appreciate my psychiatrist. Shout out to Dr. Tadapali. Someone's uh, here. Sorry. That's okay. Your shout out again. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Dr. Tadapali for uh, making sure that I don't turn into a zombie. And we decided that going with bare minimum drugs at first was the best because then we could see what's, excuse me, what symptoms are arising from which drug and at what time and kind of nip it in the bud before it becomes a bigger issue. Yeah, which is awesome. I think that's a really good approach. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of like super common, I mean, antipsychotics, antidepressants, like SSRIs, that kind of stuff. Drowsiness, dizziness, vomiting, mm-hmm. uh, nausea. I actually passed out. I thought it was, thought I was sick. Turns out it was my drugs. Yep. Like, you never think it's your drugs. Like whenever no. something big happens, you're like, oh God, it must've been something I ate or it must've been like, yep. God, I must be dehydrated. It's like, it can't possibly be that you just switched your meds that week. Right. Like, so that's that just what, exactly what thing. happened to me when I started throwing up. They upped my dosage and I started throwing up and then I got used to it because I was taking them every day. And now I notice if I skip a two days on accident, you mm-hmm. know, just forgetfulness, whatever, I tend to vomit the next day. So I'm like, okay, this is definitely related to the side effects of my drug. Yeah. It took me a while to kind of connect those dots and learn that. 
And that's why it's like they say that it's super important to be taking your medication every day so you're not getting those side effects. Which is almost an incentive for me because I hate vomiting. I don't know anybody that's like, heck yeah, let's go throw up. Well, then you also don't know if like you're getting all of your medication absorbed into your body. Oh, you're not. There's no way you could be. Yeah. I throw up five minutes later. Well, and then you never know, like, should I take another one or is that going to be too much? I don't yeah. know exactly how much got absorbed. Don't. And well, I yeah. Keep, but yeah. That's just like the safe option right. to not. But then you're just like anxious about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. And so I try, you know, it's another just incentive for me to be consistent with my medication. Mm-hmm. Um, but another big one, especially for antidepressants, is weight gain. Which is really fun oh, yeah. when you're already depressed and have body image issues. Mm-hmm. So me myself, I'm on birth control because I'm a mid-20s adult woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on antidepressants. And both of those things kind of make me gain weight and then retain that weight. So it's really hard for me, especially when I already have body issues, to lose weight, maintain a weight, you know, oh, any yeah. of that stuff. So if I end up binge eating or not eating, like it really almost doesn't make a difference which is really frustrating and I'm trying really hard right now to kind of get myself in a mental state that's like this is life and if I work hard enough yeah I can lose some of this weight which I'm working on about five pounds down now in the last month bonus um but it makes it really hard to lose that weight because you tend to retain a lot of it Mm -hmm. so it doesn't really necessarily help any of my body image issues and, and that kind of stuff but I'd almost rather have the weight gain side effect than be off medication at this point because being off medication is scary. It's scary, like, the way that your body reacts to finally being off of those medications. Yeah. And, like, just kind of that flooding of that guilt of what it used to be like to be off meds. At least that's how it is for me. And for me, like, just thinking about when I wasn't medicated for this stuff and kind of slowly first figuring it out in my, you know, late teens early 20s I don't want to be that person again my oh, meds made no. me a normal human mm-hmm. <laughs> I can function now I don't I don't want to be that you know sad person on the couch who sleeps for three days straight and avoids all things no one wants that's, to be that that's not fun so I guess that's a big one for me but hey, medication yeah medication therapy seems to be like the biggest thing that shows up kind of when you google mental health modern day therapies um one that i did find that was actually really interesting was the fda is actually fda certified but fisher wallace actually makes a brain stimulator for anxiety depression and insomnia so they're kind of like electroconvulsion therapy almost but in a really like mild manner okay so you essentially wear this little headset with electrodes on it it's like a headband almost it looks like and you put it on like your temples and it basically sends little electrical pulses, they're alpha waves, into your brain. Um, so you use it for 20 minutes per session. You can do it once, twice, three times a day. Um, they say don't go above two hours in <laughs> a 24-hour you period. Yeah, no, crazy. But it's all FDA certified, and apparently it helps kind of stimulate those uh, serotonin producing yeah serotonin receptors thank you (laughs) in your brain and so it's supposed to help with insomnia depression and anxiety there's testimonies and crap on their website um if that's something you're interested maybe take a look at that let us know how it goes yeah i i don't know i'm i'm not not gonna try it but i thought it was at least an interesting like modern day approach on some stuff i'd like to see the science behind it i'm sure we could find it if we really went i went kind of deep into their website actually um 
and their FDA certification because working in medical devices myself, I go down that rabbit hole. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it looks fairly legit. Um, and I know like your alpha waves, beta waves and that kind of stuff in your brain um, actually does do something for you. Yeah. So there is some science behind it and some papers behind it. There's multiple published studies. You want to go in and read some of those. They're mm. actually pretty interesting. I read quite a few of them and how they did like blind studies and all this other stuff. So they're actually fairly interesting. Um, I don't know how they came up with the 20 minute sessions and you know, max of two hours kind of thing. Yeah. I'd be interested to know a little bit more about that and I might dig into that later. But for the most part, it looks like there is some science behind it. I could believe at least for like insomnia i'm not sold on depression and anxiety yet but i, I feel can... like they just always go and and depression and anxiety because most people with insomnia have those yeah. things i feel like so they're just like well if it cured their insomnia i bet they're less depressed so then they just kind of lump it all in together well, and for the insomnia thing too i could see it as like stimulating your brain like that makes you mentally tired so it kind of helps you sleep a little bit better. Yeah. That kind of stuff I can see. I don't know if I'm completely sold again on the depression, anxiety portion, but you're right. A lot of the time they do just like toss all three of those in the same basket. We're good to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I found that one really interesting. So it's kind of a different modern day approach on some of those older treatments. Um, and then I looked a little bit into holistic stuff. Again, not really my wheelhouse, but there seems to be a lot of stuff out there. Um, that are kind of like remedies or natural alternatives. So for anxiety, I found a lot of stuff like chamomile tea, green tea. They say hops and beer actually is a tranquilizing benefit that helps calm you. Yeah, but if you're drunk, I'll... Right, exactly. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's so gonna make me sleep too. Is it the beer or is it the hops? Like, like <laughs> I think it's just the alcohol. I don't know. Um, lemon balm was one. Of course, they say, like, exercise. I found one thing that's, like, the 21-minute cure, and I'm like, that's not real. Oh, um, it's essentially, could've... like, a YouTube video that's a meditation. And I'm like, 21-minute cure, my ass. But whatever. It's out there. If anyone wants to try it, let us know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please let me know how much you're cured. Yeah, if you're really cured. Lavender, and this is kind of where the essential oil things come in that I'm not super keen on. Yeah, lavender smells really good. It might be a calming thing that they do in like spas or whatever else. You know, you have your lavender candle in your house. Will lavender cure your anxiety? No, not. not in my opinion, but it's on the list. So, hey, if you need some lavender in your life, why not grab a candle, right? I like candles. Diffuse some oils. Have eucalyptus and mint one at home right now. Oh, that yeah, that really smells nice. so good. What, what was the one you had burning yesterday? Uh, Lemon and basil or something like basil, that? Basil, vanilla. Oh, God, it was so good. That one was really good. Uh, one of these things literally just says, hold your breath. Oh, like um, cyclic breathing. Yeah. Essentially, you know, breathe in to eight, breathe out to ten kind of thing. So a little bit with yoga breathing and, you know, some of those other meditation breathing. Which actually, it does calm you quite a bit if you're kind of in that mindset. Your mind is racing and it kind of helps center you a little bit more. Yeah. Again, is it a cure? No, I think it could be a helpful treatment for somebody that's like really anxious in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a cure. Um, a lot of stuff that I see is the, what is it, St. John's wort or whatever that stuff is. It's like an herb. I don't know what that is. Um, that's listed on a ton of these websites. So even the stuff like herbs for depression. Yeah, St. John's wort is a relatively well-known herb that has been used for centuries to treat depression and anxiety. It's also on the bipolar list, so I don't know what it is, but apparently it's a pretty great plant. Huh. 
Huh. I wonder <laughs> if it's similar to mandrake because that was something that was um, used to treat depression and anxiety and yeah, one of the websites I found it says it's currently like to this day still one of the most commonly used treatments for depression in Europe, like in Germany and a couple other countries over there. Interesting. So it might be like an additive to a lot of stuff they put in. I'm not a hundred percent sure how it works, but it says a lot of the times it's taken in like a capsule or a pill form. Um, but you can also make it into a tea, like part of an herbal tea mix. Interesting. Um, so I guess it's very calming. Um, it tends to help give you a good happy feeling apparently (laughs) um but a lot of these things take says take about 450 milligrams twice a day and you're feeling better about yourself um it's regularly regularly prescribed as an antidepressant i guess in a lot of europe and even sometimes here in the u.s um so it treats basically mild to moderate depression they're not going to state that it obviously takes away you know, manic episodes or severe depression or anything, you know, self-deprecating like that. But it's out there. So if you want to try some St. John's wort, let us know how it goes. I'm sure you can find it in capsule form at pretty much any, you know, Walgreens, CVS, any of those stores. Maybe I'll try it. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, honestly. I mean, like, I don't think it'll really help me. So it'll just be like a placebo effect, like my fish oil pill. Yeah. Exactly. You get it. Yes. Um, a lot of people say rosemary is also very helpful for depression. Hmm. So rosemary. I, like rosemary. I really like rosemary. Um, but I guess a Bob's Burgers episode and they were making rosemary bread for Thanksgiving and I wanted it so bad. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I love uh, Bob's pear Burgers. Brie. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Bob's Burgers, if I could live with that family, God I love them. Such good food. They're good food, good people. Love me some Tina. Mm-hmm. Great times. <laughs> um, but essentially, our rosemary is depression fighting and anxiety reducing. Um, so sprinkle a little of that on your food too. <laughs> a little goes a long way. Apparently. A little goes a long way. Fish oil, like you just said, apparently helps with bipolar. Yep, that was what my therapist told me. She was like, "Hey, I don't think I don't think that there's a lot of science behind it, but it's something that I've heard about." And I'm just like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." So now I just take my fish oil in the morning. I feel like that's more of like a vitamin than it really is a, a treatment. Oh, one hundred percent. I take it. I. It's basically a vitamin. I take it with my other vitamins. Really, their only support for this, it just says that bipolar disorder seems to be less common in countries where fish oil is commonly used in people's diets. Okay. So it seems to be, it's not a proven thing, it's just kind of a correlation that they've made thus far. It's not necessarily, you know, proven, but it's supposed to help improve brain function, maintain your mood stability, reduce irritability and aggression. Um, supposedly. I don't know. So I guess besides fish oil. Yeah, another, again, almost every website comes up with St. John's Wort. So that's why I'm kind of curious about, I mean, really, how well does this work? What is Apparently this, very well. Is it a placebo thing? Kind of like the fish oil? Oh, I'm it? sure it is. Yeah. And essential oils and all that. I don't know. For me, I'm not into a ton of that stuff. Um, obviously, calming techniques for... Bipolar was one of them, so yoga, breathing, meditation, um, basically stuff that just kind of helps get you out of a manic, like, really anxious episode, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So what they're saying is, you know, take a step back, try and, you know, put yourself in a room, maybe by yourself, or maybe around people, whatever helps you. Um, Maybe count your breath, maybe do a little stretching, maybe walk around a little bit, 
Um, it's kind of whatever helps you. A lot of these say basically kind of based on what mood you're feeling, let's take a step back and see if we can counter that with some physical exercise or some breathing. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. I mean, I sometimes need to isolate myself and sit in quiet and silence and breathe and just be mm-hmm. me for a minute before I'm ready to go back out into public or into whatever situation that made me anxious. Or That's quite kind of why I've liked my schedule a little bit, that I get that quiet time and that isolation time from everybody and I don't have to feel bad about taking it because yeah. they're sleeping anyway. For sure. Um, and I think everyone needs a little self-time, a little self-care time, right? Definitely. Um, but basically another thing would be lifestyle changes. So I don't think this really is necessarily for mental health alone. I think this helps a lot of people with various diseases. Um, I know my mom has some health issues and she changed a lot of her lifestyle, um, the way she eats. She now regularly does yoga and exercises and she feels a lot better and it seems to be helping with her health issues and what she has going on. Um, so I mean, obviously, eating better makes you feel better. That's mm-hmm. a pretty proven fact. If you eat garbage, you kind of feel like garbage, right? Oh, yeah. I used to eat garbage all the time. I was oh, eating I McDonald's like every other day. Oh, constantly. Still love me some occasional fast food, oh, Culver's, 100%. Taco Bell, but I can't eat that stuff all the time. And now, because I started eating better and kind of altering my lifestyle a little bit, I feel even worse when I eat that stuff now. Oh, it's so gross. I was like vegan for a while, and then I ate mcdonald's for the first time i was just craving a cheeseburger and i was like i can't do this anymore i just need it and i just threw up for Ugh. hours in the bathroom like i was throwing up bile because my body just like was, was like, so no. like oh get this processed meat out of me yep and the downhill slope from that yeah so i don't eat a lot of like red meats anymore i mostly buy like ground turkey i eat poultry fish um red meats don't agree with me well anymore because i basically cut them out mm-hmm. i try not to eat any any real garbage i mean obviously i'm still a sucker for a good french fry fried potato really potato in any format is really good love them mm-hmm. love my carbs love my potatoes 10 out of 10 but yeah, they're trying to say, like, obviously lifestyle changes, so regular exercise, adequate sleep, better diet, generally help you improve your mood overall, mm-hmm. which could help with anxiety, depression, bipolar, or whatever other mental health issues you might be struggling with. Oh, cool. So that's kind of a modern day approach. It's not as exciting and factual and crazy as some of your Well, I think it's kind of nice, though, that it's not crazy and out there and dangerous and scary i mean like medication can be a little bit scary but i mean it's not as we have at least a decent amount of research on a lot of those meds now too i mean not all of them obviously they're still coming out with some left and right here but a lot of them have a decent amount of data now i mean they're still fairly new compared to some older stuff like lobotomies Mm -hmm. or whatever else we have going on we don't need any more of those but it's a little it seems to have kind of plateaued or stabilized a little bit we seem to be leaning more into pharmaceuticals and maybe a little bit more into some holistic medicine if that's the avenue you want to go down a little less invasive but it's a little less invasive and it seems like we are a little less crazy about some stuff for rockers about how we want to handle mental health we're not calling people witches and putting them in insane asylums anymore which i think is pretty cool i'm just saying a lady who got a little maybe emotional during her period now has a psychotic episode and needs to be hospitalized we realize pms is a thing now so that's pretty neat yeah that's nice thanks everybody (laughs) for doing that for us yeah accepting that in social norms yeah we appreciate it that you're not going to call us a witch or burn us at the stake or hospitalize us for months on end i'm sure there's some people that want to do that to us but i mean they're just a little less loud about it maybe they're uh, not as educated maybe this podcast will help them let's hope (laughs) 
Uh, well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Gloom Squad. If you have any questions or want to talk to us about uh, different medications or different treatments that you know of that we didn't talk about, um, we'll probably make a post on Instagram to open that up. So either DM us on Instagram at Gloom Squad on Instagram or Gloom Squad Pod at gmail.com. We'll throw some links in our bio for you too. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening and you. we'll see you next time. Bye.